Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Happy Friday. If you're listening in podcast form, happy Thursday afternoon. If you're watching on the YouTube stream. We get we, we talked Michigan earlier this week. We gotta talk Ohio State now, Ari. And and who better to discuss the Buckeyes than Cameron Teague Robinson, our Ohio State beat writer at the Athletic. And Cameron, you're you're covering a real quarterback competition. Like there's so many fake ones out there. What what is it like to actually watch two different people get reps with the ones? Yeah, no, it's it's been interesting. I mean, it gives you something to watch every day in spring practice. You know, as you guys know, spring practice can be kind of boring sometimes. But when you have a true quarterback competition, it's it's. I mean, it's truly is like re- watching every single rep to see how things things go. So, um, it's it's been it's been fun to watch for sure. Ari, this is what I love about Cam's coverage, though. Like you read his stuff in the Athletic, he understands what his readers actually want because. When you read a Cam story from spring practice this year, there will be a Devin Brown and Kyle McCord update somewhere in it. Yeah, well, I I, I didn't put one in like one of my most recent stories. And there were like three comments about like, what are we going to do about quarterbacks? And I was like, well, I figure everything has to be in there now. Oh, every time from your perspective of like just watching them, like what what's your takeaway from it? You know, Um, it's hard. I think they're pretty even. Yeah, it's tough. I don't think either of them really stood out Saturday. So Saturday was kind of a rough, I think it was a rough day overall for the offense. I mean, the defensive line was just so dominant the whole day. Um, but I mean, I I think my, Kyle, Kyle McCord might be the better option right now. I mean, I think he's he, he's had some, some really good days when I was out there two Saturdays ago. I thought he was definitely the better of the two that day, especially in the second half of practice. I mean, he, he made some really nice throws. He's He, he can move a little bit. I know Devin Brown is kind of the athletic guy of the two, but I think Kyle can move a little bit as well when he needs to. So, um, but I, I mean, Devin's athleticism is really interesting as well. So I, it's just, they both do things well. Um, and I still, I got, I think they're pretty even, I think this may go. Um, I know Ryan Day said he wants to have it done by the end of the spring. It's probably going right up to the spring game. If that's the case, then. Yeah, I mean, I guess you don't really have a choice, but to, to, to hold out as long as possible when it comes to the, yeah. the transfer situation. But I, I was just like, I had a theory last year, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I just feel like as college football progresses that you just can't win a national championship without somebody who can move a little bit. And like somebody yeah. might point out that, hey, C.J. Stroud uh, was basically a statue for the most of his career back there. And then like all of a sudden he not was moving around. Bowl. I know he figured yeah, out how yeah. to run in the Peach yeah. Bowl and all of a sudden yeah. their offense, you know, opened up in a way that I don't know that they played better at any given point than they played in that game during his career. So. Like to me, it's like I always thought that like Devin Brown would win the battle just because he can move. Yeah, it's it's hard because defensive lines are so defensive linemen are so athletic now. So you have to have a quarterback who can get away from them too. I I, I agree. I think Devin Brown is really really athletic. I but like I don't know. I just thought Kyle Kyle can move when he needs to. If that makes sense, it's just when he needs to get out of the pocket. At least from the few practices we've been able to see, he looks like he's been able to move when he, when he needs to. Yeah. Well, and and that's. That's the thing is, is I'm surprised that we're at this point with Ohio State and, and we're actually at the same point with Alabama, too, where there are a couple guys and you don't know where they're going to go with this thing. And for teams that, that really have everything else they need to compete for a national title, that's it's a strange place to be. But especially Ohio State, like their wealth at receiver, that's that's the thing. And, and it, it shouldn't shock us anymore because, I mean, Mark Hartline seems like. Is he the best 
position coach in America in terms of of stocking his room? Well, let me and then let me developing? ask you this. I'm going to interrupt you because I asked this yeah, question yeah. on Stars Matter yesterday, but I went and added it up, um, and I think he has gotten 13 or 14 top 100 players at his position in a four or five year period. Yeah, and they just got has a commitment been, from from Mylon Graham, who's a five star. Yes, and that's what prompted the discussion. Um, has there been a single position coach in college football, any position, that has acquired that much, that many top 100 players during that short of a time period? Like, I think statistically, he is the best recruiter of a position yeah. in the history of the modern recruiting era. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just based on data. They, but they hit too. They're like, you don't see these guys washing out. Like, what you see is they get so deep that Jamison Williams has to go to Alabama. Like, that. That's the most amazing part. It's not just that he gets them to come, is that they play really well when they get there too. Yeah, it's hard not to sell it now too, though. When you've had so much success, and then you see the guys going to the NFL have so much success. I mean, what top receiver in the country really wouldn't want to go play in that system when you're playing behind NFL guys year after year after year? Well, and especially like now, it's this self-selecting sample of complete dogs. Like because you're not even going to think about committing to Ohio State. If you're scared of competition, yeah, at that no, for position. sure, for sure. So yeah, you're yeah. the only people who will commit to you are yeah. dogs. <laughs> like that, yeah. that's yeah. It's a great, great place to be in. But the thing is, the job of throwing those people the ball is open. There's three open offensive line spots. The the, the two tackles. You know, I, Paris Johnson's probably first round pick. Dewan Jones, second, third round pick. They're also replacing the center. So I mean, it, there there is some fluctuation, but they're also I, you had a story on Travion Henderson the other day, Cameron, and it's you almost forgot about him. Like he was yeah. hurt most of last season. They're deep at running back right now. Yeah, I mean they have five that could play. I, I think I mean Evan Pryor is the one that's been hurt since last year, so he's going to have to work himself back in the fall. But I mean between Travion Mayan, Chip, Dallin, all four of them played really important snaps last year um, in really important games. I mean, Dallin Hayden was terrific against Indiana. I don't know if they beat Indiana if he doesn't if he doesn't play as well that game. So um Tony Alford has some 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 a real decision to make there because they have four dynamite backs and then Evan Pryor they loved before he got hurt last year. You know, it's interesting, guys, that you know, you have Georgia at the top of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and Alabama and Ohio State are in very interesting and similar positions, as you pointed out, of like of the teams right now who are equipped to potentially win a national championship and stop Georgia from its its back-to-back run and turning that into a three-peat, both of those programs don't have quarterbacks set yet, you know? Yeah. And I, I just, like, want to zero in on Ohio State, obviously, in this episode, but it's a very important year for Ryan Day in Ohio State, right? And it's like, you know, you lose two years in a row to Michigan, you're, you don't win the Big Ten for the last three years, Um you know, even though they were pretty close to potentially winning a national championship a year ago, it does seem like things are not trending in the direction that you would want them to trend if you're an Ohio State fan. And I just feel like it it's a very critical juncture as it was a year ago for Ryan Day, but here we are again. It's like you better figure this out, get the right quarterback in place and, and win some games because it's probably getting pretty uncomfortable in Columbus. Uh, the benefit for him is that he has two draft picks at receiver. And Marvin Harrison, Kabuka, you have Kate Stover, you have four um, legitimate running backs. That's the benefit of Ryan Day. Like, can you just throw anybody back there, quarterback, and say go win games? No, 
But I think both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown will be like good enough. I mean, he keeps saying this all spring, like you don't have to be a superhero in this offense. Just don't turn the ball over and make the make the routine plays. So they have so much around him that I that that's a definite benefit. But I agree, it's a it's a huge year for Ryan. But Andy, don't you feel like you have to be a superhero at one, at a certain point? There's going to be a point in the season where you need to be one, right? Like C.J. Stroud had to be a superhero in the Peach Georgia. Bowl yeah. for them to even have a yeah. shot to win that game. Like I no, feel like if no. you haven't. Stetson Bennett never had to be a superhero in Georgia's offense. Stetson and, and Bennett made plays, man. I feel like everybody always says, says no, he that. Did, he did but make man, plays. But, man, he's good. Yeah. But he didn't have to do things like some of the things Bryce Young had to do last year was yeah. like, okay, because he just didn't have as much talent around him as, as they'd had. And you know, I, I think given Mar- like Marvin Harrison, if Caleb Williams was not playing in college football next year, Marvin Harrison would be the best player in college football. Most years, Marvin Harrison would be the best player in college football. And like you, that, that goes a long way that the depth in the backfield, they're, they're going to have weapons and yeah, they, they, they can bring that quarterback along maybe a little more slowly. Now they got Notre Dame. It was that week five where they got to go there. So it's not the easiest of schedules, but you know, these guys, I don't know. I'm curious what you think about this, Cameron, because the last time you were on the show was before the Peach Bowl, and it was kind of existential crisis land for Ohio State because you kind of you didn't really know how they were going to land based on the Georgia performance. They just lost to Michigan. If they were going to get if they got their doors blown off by Georgia, that was going to be a huge problem for Ryan Day. I almost feel like the way they lost that game gave him a breather from that like you you stopped saying well maybe the, the maybe they've lost their edge maybe they're not really a an elite program they look pretty elite against georgia they just didn't win the game yeah, yeah i mean you look at those that those two final those two semifinal games you think Ohio State looked like the second best team in the country i still think he, there's a big it's a big deal here if he doesn't beat michigan next year I, regardless yeah. of how they perform in that Peach Bowl, uh, so I, I still think it's a huge offseason for him. Like, I think the sense of urgency has to be there because you don't want to lose Michigan and then not win the Big Ten again, especially going into expansion year. I think they want to win this Big Ten going going before everything changes uh, in the conference. I do also think too that there's a certain mental element that comes into winning that game every year, and if you lose two years in a row the pressure that builds as a result of losing those two in a row changes your temperament and your mentality when preparing for that game. And if you lose three in a row, then all of a sudden it becomes an albatross that you can't get, you know, off your back. It becomes what Michigan was dealing with for all those years. And I like, I know that a lot of people wanted to make the John Cooper comparison to Ryan day. And I didn't really think that that was fair because he's only lost twice. And Cooper went, what was it? One nine and one or something like that. I don't remember, but, but, that's what happened there. It's not like Ohio State didn't have good teams during that run. Oh, In man, fact, they kept teams. losing with great teams. Yeah. So, like, you want, like, I don't know. Like, all this, like, will he get fired or what's his status or, you know, is he too small for the job? Like, there's a lot of that talk in the Ohio State Twitter sphere. And I don't know, like, where Ohio State's administration actually is and thinking like that. But what I do know is that at a certain point, they're going to have to get that that rivalry back under control or he's not going to be the guy there. So, you know, it's like, 
you know, Andy, if you go back and you remember too, like last year when I wrote the column of, you know, after Ohio State lost to Michigan, that Georgia got Georgia got was the biggest loser in this because Ohio State was seeded four instead of three. Right. It's like this isn't something that we didn't know. Like we knew Ohio State was equipped to play at that level and that when they were playing well, they could beat anybody in the country. And they proved that even though they didn't win. Um, so what happened in the Michigan game like that? That's the thing that's always interesting to me. It's like, why did Ohio State not only lose, but like completely crumble on their home field a year after losing to them on, on the road? Like you got to like examine that to me. And like that and the defense me, giving up huge plays. I still think and this goes back to the year before, too. That is their biggest problem. If you know, they don't have a lot of weaknesses, but that is a glaring weakness for this program. But and, like, and, and I also get them in the that, ass like, in the Peach Bowl, too. Isn't like the number one mantra, Cam, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but from Jim Knowles is to fix the um, the defense so that there aren't guys on islands who are one missed tackle away from giving up a touchdown yeah. to try to play it more yeah. more safely. And it's like, I understand that. Like You can go into an offseason and you can try to, you know, learn from your mistakes and try to, you know, make things function on a more manageable basis. But like they lost in two different ways to Michigan and it turned out to look the same way. It's like at a certain point, it's not just, ah, oh, well, they have to cut down on this one thing and they'll be fine. Like they went from Ohio State beating the crap out of that team mercilessly to losing two years in a row by a ton. And it's not just like one thing that you snap your fingers on. It's a mental thing. Um, it's it's on both sides too. Michigan believes and isn't scared anymore that they can win. Um, the recruiting is starting to even out a little bit more now that you see that, you know, Michigan has made some big moves here in the last month. It's like if Ohio State loses this again. Like that would be unfathomable, unfathomable to me. If you would have told me that Ohio State was going to lose two in a row to Michigan three years ago, I would have laughed in your face. I would have bet my house that that wasn't going to happen. And like it happened. And it's like, I think that at a certain point you have to like, as an Ohio State fan, understand that this dynamic has shifted. And I don't know if I'm being dramatic, but it has. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you even look back to that Michigan game last year and think like that first half. I mean, I thought Ohio State was the best team by far. For sure. And and it just – you mentioned the defense, but I think even the offense at times under Ryan Day, it's just they just – in the biggest games, other than the Georgia game, because I thought they were pretty terrific that whole game against Georgia, but they just seemed to find a way to get stagnant in a really important period of the game. Yeah. And whether they, they, have, a, they have like a – it's almost like a basketball team that goes – you know, it goes 10 minutes without a field goal. That's what right. I mean. They, they yeah. seem to have and, a, that spot in, in, in those games. Yeah, go add up the and, average points per game against teams that are have a pulse, and it's yeah. way less than the 40, whatever they were putting up. Like, I mean, anybody can drop 65 on Indiana. It's about whether or not you can score 50 points or 44 points against Michigan, and they couldn't do it. How many points offensively did they score in the second half of that game last year? I, I, I have to go look that up, but it wasn't. Yeah, that wasn't. Same. Yeah. I mean, they were moving the ball up and down the field the entire first half, and then they blew it uh, they completely. Thir- they had 13 points in the second half. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't one of those no, a touchdown just, late in the game once they already lost? They had a field goal in the fourth quarter. They yeah. No, no, no. They the had quarter. three points in the second half. Yeah. They were up 20 to 17 at halftime in the Michigan game. Yeah. 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 No, it was, yeah. And it was just, so tell me more about the defense. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. exactly. That's that's my thought. Like the defense is the defense had problems, but the defense wasn't the only problem in that game in that loss against Michigan. And even against when when they played Penn State, uh, that that second and third quarter by the offense was abysmal. And 
the defense picked up in the, in the fourth quarter, and C.J. Stroud led them on three straight touchdown drafts to win that game. So the offense just finds times to get stagnant. I now I wonder how that changes this all season if you let Brian Hartline take play calling and you let um, Ryan Day just be kind of more of a GM uh, for the whole team. Uh, but that's something in my mind that has to be figured out too because they can't go on those jobs against really good teams like that. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That, that's a running theme. That was actually the lead question in my mailbag this week is can anybody be a head coach play caller in this era of college football? Because the CEO duties in the last two or three years have just become so much bigger. And so we, we've talked about it a ton with Jimbo Fisher, uh, but even Gus Malzahn this year. And like Gus, when he took the UCF job, was like, I will never give up play calling again. And January is like, I am giving up play calling because it is too much work. So hey, that's that that's been a, a question too. I mean, how how will that look different? Do you think this year, Cameron? Um, I I, I don't know. I, I'm curious. I think we'll get our first look in the spring game. It, it's hard to really tell in like these quote unquote scrimmages, which is really practice, and then looks like team periods at the end. So um, I think we'll get our first look in the in the spring game and see how Brian Hartline is at play calling. He seems to like it so far. Um, I don't. I don't. Ryan Day hasn't even like set in stone that he's giving it up he wants to right. see how it goes this whole spring so um I- i'm curious to see how it goes in a couple of weeks when they have the spring game but you just don't know and that's another thing like you mentioned how important this year is for ryan day you go in with a uh, first time uh play caller too um which i think brian harlan has proven that he's a terrific position coach obviously a terrific recruiter this is the next step in him being a potential head coach one day, one day. <laughs> sooner rather than later it, it, that, yeah, he's one of those so. that it's funny because we talked to Austin Meek, uh, our Michigan beat writer, about Sharon Moore, and it feels like Sharon Moore and Brian Hartline are on kind of parallel tracks. Like they, the most maybe the most important recruiter on both their staffs, and yeah. going to be a head coach. It's just yeah. a matter of when, where. I mean, if he's a play caller this year and they and they do well, they're back in the, the semifinal or win national championship. His phone's going to be blowing up next year. How is this going to have a real problem keeping him here as an offensive coordinator? So but, you know, the thing talk- that's interesting about Brian Hartline is like I don't really know what his personal goals are. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know if he like he doesn't strike me as somebody who's gonna go be the head coach at a lower tier P five school or a Mac school first. Like I think that somebody is going to have to take a risk on him if that happens. Well you like you somebody which, big. You know which Ohio State, former Ohio State player and coordinator that sounds like? Yeah. Luke Fickle. <laughs> and it worked out pretty well for him. So yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think like if if I think that Brian Hartline would take that job, the same job that Luke Fickle got. Well, he 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 was offered that job or might he was certainly up for that job. I don't know if he's offered that job this year. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know if he's it, 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 I think we may have our answer on that one. But that that play calling part of it probably has something to do with that piece of it, too. I would imagine, Cameron, that that he was up for jobs this year. 
Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, when when, you, when your best recruiter, and it was, I think, when Kevin wasn't left, I think he just knew that Brian Hartman was going to be the OC, um, mm-hmm. and maybe the play calling thing is is addition onto that. But and maybe that's something that Ryan Day thought about the whole year, um, because I know, like they said, he mentioned it to Herb Street during the season. But um, that, it's something when you have a guy like that, you have to try to give him more responsibility, especially when he has aspirations of, of being there as, as well. So speaking of coordinators, let's talk about Jim Knowles and this defense. Jim Knowles was brought in to to fix a defense that just gave up you know, too many of everything in 2021. In 2022, like if you, if you want to break it down, it was some horrific bus in the Michigan game. It was an inability to stop Georgia when it mattered most. Like that's what it came down to, and that is the difference between them being a national championship team and them being a team that it frustrates their fans incredibly. So how does that change? I, I'm curious because it, just reading what you've been writing from spring practice, it sounds like the D line is nasty and we know about JT. Yeah, Malau yeah. And, and I mean, like that's, that guy's going to be amazing, but is that going to be what kind of gets them over the hump or do they, what do they have to do? Is it schematic? Is it personnel? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have to put your guys in a better position where, like we talked about before, you're not leaving Latham Ransom on an island where if he if he trips, if he gets turned around and falls over, you're giving up a 75 yard touchdown, and you really need to get in 10 seconds when you really need to give a touchdown drive in four or five minutes, you know. So, uh, but I think it starts up front. I think they have some guys, especially at end, really all over that line. I mean, you talk about JT, but um, Jack Sawyer is going to be playing more specifically at the end position, which he's really good at. Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jack- Jackson will be two second-year guys who I think could have that jump. Um, and then inside, you saw my call when he was healthy last year. I mean, he was a terror when he was healthy. So um, I think they have a lot of guys up front. But I think they finally added some depth in the secondary. Uh, you had to go into transfer portal and find some guys. And they love Davison uh, Igboot. I couldn't even pronounce the name. Igbenison or something like that from Ole Miss. Yeah, um, but they love him. I, I mean, he looks every bit as good as everybody said when when he came out from Ole Miss. Yeah, that's a. You know who I'm most curious about on Ohio State's defense? And then you said his name already, but like Jack Sawyer, when yep. he got yeah. recruited, he was supposed to be a Bosa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's like yeah. what people thought he was going to be, and you know he's had his moments, but. You know, do you think that that is still on the table and, you know, not being Joey or Nick Bosa, but being a complete and utter game wrecker off the edge that you feel on every snap? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think you saw it at times last year, but I think he struggled last season because they tried to play him in like this Jack, what they call a Jack mm-hmm. role, which is like a hybrid end. And it just didn't work. I think he had his, his head in playing DN and Jack and trying to learn both. I think this year when you just let him play DN and let him be that that guy, I think he will have a really good year. You just want to see like like you he had really good numbers last year. You just didn't really see it because it was just like sporadic. Like he didn't have that JT against Penn State game. That's what you're looking for from Jack. Yeah, um, and when you were covering when I was covering the Bosas, it was every game. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think both of them together could have that type of a have an have that type of an impact with the defense. Well, you know, Zach Harrison was the guy who came out of the factory where they all look like, you know, freaks of nature. And you you look at the guy and you're like, Jalen Holmes was one of those guys earlier on. And it, 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 you would go to Ohio State practice and be like, 
where do they find these people? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so is, is Kenyatta Jackson the next version of that? Yeah, he's, I mean, you see him and he's, I mean, it's really hard. Sometimes when you're watching practice, you're like, I don't even know half these people. But when Kenyatta Jackson does something and he is celebrating a second, you're like, yeah, that, that's Kenyatta. Because he just he just looks the part. Um, there's a few guys on the defense that, like, just look physically more gifted than everybody else. Sonny Styles, their safety mm-hmm. is like, I mean, he he lined up kind of close to, he lined up in like a nickel spot on the line. And he looked like a linebacker, but he's playing safety. He played against Joe. He played some on the line against Georgia, too. So, um, he's another one of those guys who physically is just so physically gifted. And I think he's only like 18 years old. So, um, and Sonny styles, by the way, is the name of a superstar. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. It, I don't know I if it's so. at football at yeah. folk music. Like <laughs> that is a superstar at something. If your name's Sonny styles. Yeah. How, how much no, have I you did. been hearing uh, CJ Hicks name? Yeah. I mean, a lot, we heard a lot early, early in spring practice. I just don't, I don't think they know exactly where or how they want to use him yet. They're waiting a lot for the fall to see what they do with the jack spot. I think they may try to use him there um, because he was a guy who you have Tommy Eichenberg back, you have Steel Chambers back, and then you have Cody Simon. So this is three linebackers truly in front of him right now. Um, I think they want to get him on the field, but it's a matter of where and how or where and when. I'm not there every single day, but is this like the the next uh, Ohio State linebacker nightmare where you have young, talented players that are just oozing uh, with playmaking ability that just can't get on the field because everybody keeps coming back at the position? It's like, yeah, why Why is CJ, yeah. CJ Hicks not a number one linebacker right now? Like, I thought that yeah. he was one of the biggest recruiting gets they've, they've had in the last two or three years. It's like, you know, maybe, I mean, I know that Eichenberg had a really good year last year and, um, you know, Steel Chambers is super fast and, you know, even had to me, reminded me at, at times with the way he played the game of uh, Ryan Shazier, just like that yeah. hard nosed running back. But like, I'd like to understand it, why CJ Hicks isn't the starting outside linebacker. And if he's not, is it Ohio State's coaching staff? That's getting it wrong, or is he a miss in the recruiting trail? Because this is year two now, right? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And I mean, Jim Knowles mentioned earlier that he wanted to just focus on getting better at everything, like day in, day out of practice. So maybe it was a uh, transition for him to learn. I do think you just didn't see them rotate linebackers last year at all. I mean, Cody Simon came in when they played three linebackers, but he never rotated in when Eichenberg and Seal Chambers out. So they're going to do more of that this year. And I think that's a matter of, Jim knows knows he has to get these guys on the field. You can't go. You can't let CJ Hicks just play special teams for two for two years. Well, and and and, and Styles is kind of a hybrid, right? Like with if you're playing five DBs, he's the one who playing most like a linebacker. He could, yeah. That that's I think that's probably what they're going to do. And but he's athletic enough. Like he could he could play play high safety. He could play boundary. Like he he could cover too. So they're going to do a lot with Sonny. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but looks, I, I think he, he he looks the part of a guy who's playing on the line. He, try, he looks physically he, like Ryan Shazier. Like he looks to me like Ryan Shazier looked when he got to Ohio State. And yeah, he, yeah, you know Ryan played linebacker in high school, so it was a little bit different situation. But it, you can do so many things with that. I guy. mean, he he looks like a linebacker, but he's yeah. athletically gifted enough to play safety. That's truly what he is. And that means he's going to be a first round draft pick. Very much so, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which means you got to get him on the field like now. Yeah, I, I it just drives me crazy, and I don't know if it was just me, and I don't know if this happened with Urban Meyer at at Florida at times, Andy, 
But when I covered Ohio State, I always got this sense in my gut that the best player on the field or on the team wasn't always on the field. And like, I don't know if that's just my imagination or what, but it's like, I hear they don't know how they want to play CJ Hicks. Like, what? Like, what do you mean? What does that mean? He's like, wasn't he like the number five overall player in his class? There's no vision of like what that was going to look like when he gets help me. If you know more about X's and O's than I do, Andy, well, I have it, no idea what that means. Well, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause we, you and I had this discussion before we worked together. We were both at our old places. We're covering the Heisman trophy ceremony. And you asked me what the difference is between urban Meyer and Nick Saban. That's what it is. And I said, the difference is Nick Saban probably would have replaced JT Barrett as a starting quarterback before yeah. he had to. I mean, Ohio State missed out on a chance to play for a national championship in 2013 because they didn't want to play Von Bell too early because he was a freshman. And they let Pittsburgh Brown play safety, and he got blown up over um, the top a few times against Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game, and then they lost. They put Von Bell in for the Orange Bowl in the first game of I think it was like the second or third drive of his career. He had a huge pick against Taj Boyd. And I was like, where was this guy last <laughs> week or, or a month ago when you're trying to get into the national championship game? Yeah, Meyer like, didn't what, have that problem at like, Florida. What's happening? Meyer didn't have that problem at Florida just because of circumstances. Like they happened like when he got there, there were a bunch of good Ron Zook recruits on defense that kind of carried the day. They all left. And then all the young guys had to play because there was no like yeah. so Joe Hayden had to play, which I just would have was it wasn't always the best thing at first, but then he became great. I'd have zero care whatsoever of what somebody's seniority is, yeah, or how good they were last year. If they're still not the best player on the team, they wouldn't play as much. Well, that's like, and that that's, would be that's, that's the what way Georgia that does. That's how Georgia handles things. I think you're going to have that 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 a that where was this guy kind of thought a lot with both Sonny Styles and CJ Hickman this year. I do. I, I think they're going to end up using CJ in that jack spot once they can get they, – they're waiting for Mitchell Melton to get healthy too because they may want to use him there as well. But I think you're going to see both those guys, and you're going to be like, where were these guys last I, I year just, all the time? It, if they can get a 2019-level defense at Ohio State with, what, with the weapons they have on offense, like there might not be anybody who can beat them. If you like go look at Ohio State's defense – I'm looking up their depth chart right now just so I don't forget any names. But JT Tuimaloa was one. Mm-hmm. Jack Sawyer is another one. Um, Denzel Burke, Lathan Ransom, uh, Kai Stokes. Do you have a lot? Maybe not Kai Stokes, but Sonny Styles, CJ Hicks. Like, there are so many elite level five star ish prospects out there. Like Lathan Ransom was a top 100 player too. And it's like, you have all these pieces of really athletic, crazy athletes. There is no reason why your defense should get gashed by anybody yeah. ever. Um, and then you go on to the offensive side of the ball. It's like, you look at these, these depth charts. It's like, no, no crap. Ohio state was able to play with Georgia. The question that I constantly have, and you can go up and down the depth chart is why can't Ohio state, get every ounce of talent to hit on all cylinders and to produce at a high level the way that their counterparts in the South do, you know, and I know that Saban's teams have been down the last few years and Georgia's leading the way, but it's like, I just feel like lost two games by a combined four points, (laughs) but I know, but people will say he's not recruiting or playing at an optimum level. I just feel like Ohio state has all these amazing ingredients 
And like the ingredients never come out as good as the ingredients that are at Georgia and Alabama. And I just don't understand why. Well, I think Georgia was like that for a while, though, where it didn't feel like the ingredients were coming out the same way. Alabama was the only one that was doing it consistently. And Georgia's figured out how to do it. And but Ohio think, State's been doing it longer than both of them. Well, I know. Right? I know. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Like Georgia defensively, I will say, like on the D-line especially, if you're talented, they find ways to get you in the game. Like they they make sure they get you on the field. That's why Jalen Carter was probably the best player on a defensive line that had three first-round picks the year before. And he's a rotate, you know, he he played over some of those guys or played more snaps than them. It's like because he's it better. Blows, it blows my mind that Ohio State is going on a decade without a national championship with the rosters that they've had. It blows my mind. Yeah. Well, and, and I and, also feel like if Nick Saban had the same exact players that Ohio State had on his roster and they were just in Tuscaloosa, they would have won three. Like, that's like, that's the problem. And it's like, if that is real and what I just said is true, then identify why that's the case and what's going on there. That's a really hard thing to do, though. I don't know if it's always the same thing, though, because there, there were things that you know, this stuff we talked about with Urban Meyer with the seniority. I don't necessarily feel like it's the same anymore. What do you mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like it's pure seniority that is keeping the best players off the field. Sometimes Oh no, and I'm then. not even saying I'm not yeah. even saying that's always the case. What I'm saying is you have a pizza oven on one end and uh, a pizza oven on the left end. You have the same exact ingredients. You both put your pizza in the oven and one comes out okay and one comes out amazing. Yeah. So like somebody's better at process. moving it moving yeah. it around, yeah. knowing where the hot spots are. Exactly. Yeah, no. I, I do like it. It always comes back to pizza with us. James uh, Woodford says, Ari has been saying Ohio State is going on a decade without a title for three years. Well, guess what? Next year it will be. So if they don't win it this year, they will have, they'll <laughs> have, I will have been right seasons. for five years, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. uh, it just it seems to me like if you would have told me, were you at the game when they won the national championship, Andy? Yeah. In 14? Yep. If you would have come up to me in the press box after – Cardale Jones was on the field and the confetti was falling. Oh, with LeBron. In my wonderful yeah. city of Dallas, that Ohio State would not win another championship for the next nine years, I would have laughed in your face. Oh, I would have said you were nuts. No, yes. I would have been yeah. like, no, 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 they're winning three of the next four. Don't do this. I, yeah, honestly, I thought there was no <laughs> yeah. chance they weren't going to win the next year. Um, so it just, to me, like if you're an Ohio State fan, the existence is tough because a lot of their best teams that they've ever had are the ones that came up short. And then teams like last year, who probably had no real business of winning a national championship, you know, Almost came did. super close. And like 2019's team that didn't have a single identifiable weakness got knocked out in the semis. It's like, well, it's but, strange. And, and that's, but that's where Saban is so much better than everybody else over time. Like 15 and 17 should not have won the national title at Alabama, but they did. Like, and honestly speaking, Ohio State's 14 team probably shouldn't have. But their 15 oh, team should have. Oh, by the end, the 14 team was by yeah. far the best in the country. But going into 14, I remember what that season was like. People thought oh, yeah. it was going to be a disaster. Yeah. And then Darren Lee had a pick six in, in, in Annapolis playing a, or was a Maryland somewhere playing in the Navy game. And then all those pieces came together and they were awesome at the end. Of, I'm not saying they weren't great. Yeah. But they were supposed to win in 15. They were probably the best team in the country. Right. In that 05. was a, they, they, it was very similar to 98 Tennessee winning the national title when 99 Tennessee was supposed to win yeah. it. Yeah. And, they got and it, the 99 wasn't as good. Yeah. And yeah. they get it first, but they, they're supposed to win. a they, In 03, they could have won a national championship. 
in 05, uh, they had the best team in college football at the end of the year, but they lost to uh, Texas earlier on in the year, and that stopped them from going. In 06, you were at the game against Florida. Yeah. With that team, you know, I, I mean, don't know. Uh, what yeah. It, I, I agree with Jarvis Moss. There, there were a bunch of teams in the SEC that would have beaten that team. <laughs> I mean, that team was incredible. If you go back and watch it, Ted Ginn Jr. blew his ankle out on the first play of the game. That probably didn't help their entire offensive strategy. I don't think anything could have happened to help their offensive tackles in that game. No. Uh, but in uh, Florida was definitely the better team. But I'm just saying, like, if you go back and you look at the last 15 years of Ohio State's history or 20 years, there were about five or six teams that could have won a national championship and didn't. Yeah. We'll be right back after these words. Cameron, you're there every day. What is the mood like in the fan base? Are they nervous, cautiously optimistic? Like, where are they at right now? Um, I, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I think you're, you're optimistic with the quarterback battle, mainly because, like, Quarterbacks seem to do pretty well in the system, right? Regardless yeah. of who you put in there, um, I think the biggest worry is the offensive line and how the hell that holds up when you play in a guy, a team like Michigan, and trying to win national championship. But also, um, like we talked about earlier, like this is an important year for Ryan Day. Um, can he get over? I mean, and you're going to Michigan this year, so you're going to have to win that game um, with a new quarterback and three new stars on the offensive line. Obviously the whole season before then. So you hope to have them groomed by then. But uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of feelings. I think it just depends what type of, I think Ari, you wrote this pretty well a while ago. It just depends on what type of Ohio State fan you are. Are, um, are you the one who's just, are you the negative one? Or are you the one who wants to be um, cautiously optimistic about some things? So, um, but I think there's things to be excited about this group, but still so a lot of major questions. They're one of five rosters that have a legitimate chance of winning a national championship next year. And it seems like they're like in disaster mode right now. And I don't know if that's just me, but like it really does kind of feel that way. Um, I, here's the thing about this, though. When you have a roster like they do. Chemistry, if it clicks, you can just torch people and there's going to be a year like with, with Ohio State. And you've seen it with Georgia. And I think the coaching staff does a good job of, of making it happen that way. But if you keep putting this level of talent together like Ohio State has year after year after year. You're going to have years where everything fits together right. And so if this is one of those years, yeah. like in, in seven months, we're going to be talking about how I can't believe we didn't realize this team was the best team in the country. It's, I feel like it's really just because they don't have a quarterback. You just don't know who's going to play quarterback. If you, yeah. if you had an established quarterback with these offensive weapons, you'd be like, okay, this is the best team in the country. Um, and now they still have stuff to answer on defense. But if you just, I think if you put a quarterback on this team with all these weapons – it's it's hard to think of a defense that like consistently stops them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's if, just, CJ, if CJ had come back, it'd be the best yeah. team in the country, and it wouldn't. Be if it, it it's it's also two consecutive losses to Michigan that that yeah change our yeah. thinking on this. That's the whole thing. Yeah. If they would have beaten yeah. Michigan last year and won the Big Ten and lost in the semis the way that they did, everybody'd yeah. be like, that was one of the best teams they've had. Yeah, like that's the whole thing. Well, it is going to be a fascinating situation to watch. If Ryan Day really does have the quarterback competition wrapped up in the spring and and I don't know if they announce it or at least just tell whoever's starting that they're starting or at least or make it obvious to them, I'll be curious to see what happens there. But this is this is going to be right. I mean, it feels like one of two directions. Either they are going to be in the national title hunt 
or it's going to be what the hell's happening well, they're going to be going in the national on. title hunt, yeah. but it's the whether or not is, they're going to win that game in November. Well, right, they, yeah, they, they were in the national, title, <laughs> but they were in the national yeah. title hunt last year, and and we're we're looking at this like last year was a complete failure because they lost to Michigan. They did not win the national title. I, I, I think that's just what Ohio State is, though. I mean, it's, oh, it's it Ohio State is you you run through your schedule, and then if you don't beat Michigan at the end of the year, then the season's were truly a failure. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you go ahead and jump, unless you know Rago says that field one, you bash kind of TCU and win that championship. Right. And the uh, dynamics change. Really, the program is. Yeah, the dynamics change in 2024, but this year is the last of the four-team playoff. They did both make it last year, but the chances of you making it if you lose that game are, they're not that good. I mean, it, it worked out for them last year, but if, if things had worked out slightly differently, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, yeah. then they're sitting at home and it's just like, oh God, what what's going on yeah. with them? You know, are they... Is Ryan Day the guy for this program? So, yeah, it is It is weirdly existential. It's one of those things that most fan bases are like, I can't believe they're complaining about all this. But <laughs> if you're an Ohio State fan, you're like, no, this is not what it's supposed to look like. So I, I've, I'm really interested to watch what happens. Can't wait. Cameron, thank you for the great information. Now, though, we, we've got our new feature. We're doing trivia at the end of every show. The topic for today is American history. We've been in we've been we've tried to be very broad because we we feel like we can stump each other this way. It's much easier. Or I just want to see how random the you know how randomly we can pull things. How did you do this one? Because like I just kind of like tried to find something and mine's not funny. I found one that I think you might know. I found one that I think you might know, Ari, because it, it's local for you, or at least local for where you grew up. So, plus, I was just curious. I didn't know the answer to this question. So, I was like, oh. Local well, from where up. I grew up? Yes. So, are you ready? Sure. I don't know what happened in Arizona, but I'm <laughs> super excited to find out. <laughs> all right. Just, just mind you all know that if I took a history test in high school, I would fail it. So, like, so there, uh, yeah. there are right now, I was this yeah, on Andy by myself, too. There are 50 states in the union. What number was Arizona in order of admission to the union? Were they 49? They were not 49. Alaska, 49. 50? That was Hawaii. 48? They were the last <laughs> continental United State. Arizona Bonus. was? Yeah. Bonus, if you can tell me the uh, the year. 1901. 1912. Valentine's <laughs> Day, 1912. They, uh, they, they, they were just after New Mexico. New Mexico was January 6th, 1912 for number 47. And Arizona, number 48. So the last... I should have known that. Not, it, and that's a weird, because, you know, Alaska, Hawaii, we understand the strategic reasons for them being states and everything. But the the one landmass, how weird must it have been? Because there are five years between Oklahoma and then New Mexico, Arizona. So how weird must it have been when there's just these two hanging out in the corner that aren't states yet? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I've always meant to go watch that show, How States Got Their Shapes, because I <laughs> yes. think that would be kind of fi- fascinating. Um, 
but yeah, if I were to take a history class right now, I would get an F. There's only uh, one. There's only one state I want to see on how states got their shapes, and Oklahoma. that's West West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, West, West Virginia is the most oddly drawn state. In the, and <laughs> so you know how people from Michigan will hold up their hand and point to the spot on their hand where they're from. Like if they're from Ypsilanti, they'll point to one spot. If they're from from Battle Creek, they'll point to another spot. Uh, people from West Virginia do that by flicking you off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, though. Yeah. Okay. All right. Am I up? Yep. Or Cam, why don't you go? All right. All right. I can go. Um, very general here. Um, what was the date of the Black Tuesday market crash? <sighs> October 27th, 1929. I thought it was oh, a right wrong date. I thought okay. it was September. Wasn't it September something? Black, September Black 12th? Monday. Black it was Monday October. The, it was October. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. October 1929. Black October Monday 11th? in the 80s was also in October, but oh, shoot. It was not. It was October 29th. And it was only off by like. I was two days off. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty good, though. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I only I only remember that because uh, my econ professor in college was like in love with the stock market, and I had two roommates in college who were in love with the stock market, and they talked about that all the time. That that one, well, I remember in elementary school there because Black Monday, which ended up becoming a, a comedy on Showtime, but I remember Black Monday in 1987 when I had. You know, I, I was in elementary school and I was a we- the weird kid who watched the national news. So they kept talking about the day in 1929 when the stock market crashed. And so that that that's why I, the date was I knew it was October 20 something because yeah, yeah. it had yeah. been kind of drilled into your head at that point. But all right, Ari, what, what do you have? OK, so this is kind of local to me now. And I didn't want. uh to make anything about JFK's assassination. But what branch of military did the president, John F. Kennedy, serve in? He served in the Navy. Zero clue. That's right. How'd you know that? How would you know that? <laughs> I just remember seeing the pictures of him in oh. the uniform. Oh, okay. <laughs> my dad, uh, my dad's a big JFK uh, historian. So I thought I'd, I would be an ode to him to ask about JFK. Yeah, that that'd be interesting to break it down because it it used to be that every president had served in the military at, at one point or another. I think was Clinton. Clinton was the first that that hadn't, I believe. Oh. And uh, so it, uh, yeah, it's it, I, I'd be interested to see the breakdown because I think it's all Army Navy. I don't know if there's been a Marine president or an Air Force president. So, yeah, that's a. That's a good one. I like that question. This is good. This is fun. So, I mean, I'm learning things, so that's good. Yeah. Well, we need to, we haven't had a food category yet. So I think, uh, I think on, you know, when we, we record Monday's big bag of grab ass episode. What's it like? Who invented the hamburger? Could be the Earl of Hamburger. Like what's a food trivia question? I don't even know. Like what comprises of a juicy Lucy? I'm sure we could come up with something, you know, we will. Yeah. Yeah. Who who is uh who founded McDonald's, which you've now seen a whole movie on? So that's true. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, you said you said you're gonna you're gonna see Air. Uh, 
with and make it a date night. This is the the movie about Sonny Vaccaro signing Michael Jordan. We're going on Friday night. So I texted Sonny yesterday, and yeah. I said, "I said you always look like Matt Damon to me," and he said, "That's why I like you. You always had a great imagination." So, <laughs> but Sonny, um, Sonny, Sonny is one of the true originals, and I, I'm so happy that he's getting the the big star treatment on on the silver screen. But uh, yeah, he's and he's an important guy in the history of college sports too, because he's the one who essentially ginned up the uh, the Ed O'Bannon versus the NCAA case. And yeah. So I sat next. Or, Is that know, how stood, you got to know him real well? Yeah, standing out in front of the courthouse waiting for the trial to start with, with <laughs> yeah. him and his wife. And uh, they're 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 you tell him that people. I'll never forget him for putting for being part of the reason why we lost the NCAA football video game for a decade of my life. <laughs> He knows that he is. Uh, he's got some. He made some enemies in that moment. Now, but it's yeah, like back. I have the, love the shoes guy. Hate, yeah, hate the fact that I've got to wait for another year for this video game. But yeah, yeah, okay, that's funny. Yeah, it's it's coming back. So, well, guys, it's been a pleasure, Cameron. You got a lot more to cover in spring practice. Uh, do you think it, before I, we let you go? Do you think they will name a starting quarterback? coming out of spring or do you think that will be pushed into the, the fall camp i think they probably named somebody I, I think in the era of transfer portal like you have to name somebody and i think it will probably be common court i think my thought is if you name common court devin brown might not transfer he could you right. could he could stay make another year let's just say common like they win that championship common court goes and fell as devin brown's team next year so um but i think in the era of the transfer portal you probably you would probably almost have to Oh, boy. I can get spicy. When's the last time Ohio State announced a starting quarterback in the spring? Yeah, that's another thing. I don't know the history. I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah. No. But the game has changed, so I don't know. Well, it's it's not going to be five seconds before the team takes the field. It's not going to be, hey, Cardell, it's you. I actually, in my heart, and one day, if I ever speak to Urban Meyer, I'm going to just ask him flat out, like, if he actually knew or if it was just his gut. Like, it's like, I honestly, I think there's a, I think think there I think there is a part of me that wants to believe or kind of believes that he just kind of went with his gut at the last minute. Cause what, what, what would be the reason for that? Like how does that a competitive advantage to not right. tell your starting quarterback until 10 minutes before the game that he's starting? <laughs> I, and that I was the no first idea. piece of grab ass that led to a lost season. All I know is yeah. I was on the sideline eating a Turkey leg when that happened because they had, uh, for whatever reason, mixed it up and given me a photo pass to that game at Virginia Tech. And so I'm like, I got a photo pass. I can be on the sideline. Were side you on the field during Braxton's spin move? Yeah. Where was your what was your uh vantage point to that? So I was I was on the sideline. I think I was on the Virginia Tech sideline. Uh, and I I could see him from behind. Like I saw him from behind. And he he made the move because he was he was kind of to the to my left and I was behind him. And uh yeah. It was it was spectacular, but yes, no. I imagine when Cardell was told he was starting, it was when I was eating a turkey leg, though, because I had gone and gotten one from the stand in the corner, and I'm just sitting there and like munching on it. <laughs> like, I wonder who, wonder who they're gonna trot out there. You're uh, you're an interesting human being, Andy. I'll give you I'll give you that. <laughs> Listen, they had turkey legs. What was I gonna do? You, you're at Virginia Tech. You gotta eat a turkey leg. Yeah, yeah, no choice. I was, I'm like waving it around during Inner Sandman. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. We love you. We'll talk to you again soon.